guys, the playoffs are within reach, so don't miss the stories behind the headlines this week. Looking for two episodes of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland with Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin. Sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Subscribe at 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app, and don't miss their post-game edition after the Houston game. 216474 to below 92. We'll talk to Daryl Ryder coming up at 920 as we always do on Tuesdays. Miles Simmons joining us at 10 o'clock. He's from ProFootballTalk.com. Local kid done good. We're going to get to what Kevin Stefanski can teach you about what you think you know about Deshaun Watson coming up in moments. But right now I'm still asking you guys, can the Browns beat anyone in the AFC? And in the conference right now, if, if we Uno reverse this entire discussion, this everything is awesome, like we're the Lego movie diatribe that I've been spewing out at you guys, I think it'd be fair to point out that even though I, I, I love a Royal Rumble of sorts, and I'd much rather play a game where the deck isn't already stacked, every team that I mentioned qualifies in the same way as well. Every team that we've gone and we've brought up so far is playing with the same idea that they can win a bunch of games in the postseason and no team in the AFC should scare them. And it's for a lot of the reasons that we've already gone through. I mentioned what I think about the Dolphins. I mentioned what I think about the Bills. I have mentioned what I think about the Ravens and the Chiefs. Any one of these teams have to legitimately think, why not us? And because of that, the Browns get to fall in that same pot as well. You do. I, I, was, I wish it was because of other reasons. You know, last hour, it kind of felt like I was a little bit of a homer. And the way I was talking, and that's fine. Every now and then, we put on the Browns colored glasses, and we we have ourselves a day. It's a lot funner, funner. So it's, it's, it's a good time, though. It's definitely a good time being a homer. But the reality is, is that it's more about the flaws and the warts with the other teams than it is what we're seeing with the Browns. But the beautiful thing with the Browns is that they pass that bar, they pass that initial test that you need to be able to pass in order for me to put you in that group. They play good enough offense with Flacco, and they have a great defense. They, they hit that bar that, that I put them in that category of they can beat any team on any given Sunday, and I'm not doing the cliche of any team can beat any team any given Sunday. I'm doing the when we sit down and look at it and I see Browns-Jacksonville, do I think they have a chance? And I think they do. When I see Browns-Kansas City, I can come out with the roadmap where I say to myself, Well, Mahomes won't be able to move the football in this Browns defense. They just won't. They have a great defense right now. Kansas City does. It's one of the the weird parts about this team. They have a top five defense, and they don't have a top five offense. First time in the Mahomes era, you could make that claim. It's a weird situation in Kansas City. But they can't can't move the football. You know, I mean, it's going to be, it'll be tough for Kansas City to move the football in this Browns defense. How are they going to do that? It's not going to happen. And so because of that, I'd say to myself, yeah, we have a chance. Uh, more than a uh, a chance against Kansas City. But if we got Kansas City even in Arrowhead, it's not a dead man walking type situation. It's a, well, it's not ideal. Same way uh, playing Alabama football is not ideal. But if that's who Michigan has to play, guess what? They, they got to play where they got to play. You got a puncher's chance there. You do. More than a puncher's chance. Oh, people are so scared of the Ravens. We just beat the Ravens five weeks ago. Literally five weeks ago. Don't have me be scared of the Ravens. I'm sorry. And then I went through the Dolphins and the Bills and everybody else. You're you're in that same bracket, and that's a good thing. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Jeffrey and Chesterland up next. What's up, Jeffrey? Hey, how you guys doing? Hey man, how's it going? Good. Um, 
Yeah, the previous caller was mentioning how his expectations have grown to win the Super Bowl. Um, I kind of agree. I mean, this is probably the best chance we have to win the Super Bowl with what's going on now with the great defense, veteran quarterback that's actually won a Super Bowl. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, to go all the way, I mean, that's that's what we're expecting. <laughs> I mean, Jeffrey, it's like you're out homering the homer here. And thank you, man. I appreciate you. It's I'm surprised. I I am surprised. The amount of phone calls and the amount of people that say that's where their expectations are. I, I guess I'm looking at it with more of a, a house money type mentality. Anything we get in the postseason will be gravy when you're on your fourth your fourth quarterback this year. You know what this feels like to me? I did this in the preseason, and it just it applies exactly the same. You guys kept asking me in the preseason, and I'm not I'm not a I'm not a fence sitter radio host. I I am a have a take, stay by your take, draw your line in the sand, and let it be known your reasons why. I am not a I don't know about that. Or I don't know. Could be this, could be that. That's not who I am. You guys know this about me. You've known me long enough. You guys know I'm very good at picking sides. I honestly think it might be like a top three favorite thing about my wife is anytime she's like, hey, where should we have dinner tonight? I'm like, I know where I want to go. I, I know the answer to this. I know, I know what I want to do here. Not everybody has that answer, I guess. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to do. When you guys asked me in the preseason about the AFC North, I referred back to those little corgis on TikTok you know the little corgis on TikTok that uh, they 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 pop the balloons up in the air, the balls up in the air, and then they go on the little the little uh, the the baskets on the stairs, and they decide who wins the AFC North and the different places based off of wherever the corgi hits his it's the ball on his nose and wherever it lands. So I, I saw so many of these videos before the season got underway. You could do the same thing with the playoff bracket for the AFC this year, and I bet those corgis would have just as much of a chance as I you or any expert out there would have in deciding who would actually go on to the Super Bowl this year out of the AFC. That's how wide open this whole entire thing is. It's so wide open. Anybody that gets in will have a chance. Any of the seven teams that get into the postseason will have a legitimate chance of making the postseason. That's the reality. Any one of them. You can tell me the Texans are the seventh seed. I'll say C.J. Stroud. Okay, let's see what you can do. You can tell me the Colts. And the Colts will be a tougher way for me to try to defend it, but I could find a way to defend it. Like any team in this AFC, the way the AFC is set up, will have a chance to go on a deep run. And I feel like that's what Browns fans right now are holding on to. And I'm not going to be the ones to tell you to let go of the grip. I'm not going to be the ones to tell you to, hey, I'm not going to pierce that balloon of invincibility for you guys. Not right now, not coming off that Bears win, and not the way that this Browns team has been dealing as of late. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Eric and Oberlin up next on the fan. What's up, Eric? Hey, how's it going, Jonathan? Hey, what's up, Eric? How you doing, man? How you doing, Jonathan? Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you for making it. What's up? Hey, I just uh, well originally I want to follow up with the other callers. Uh, that was my take all along. This has got to be the year. It's so improbable that it's probable, right? And I'm thinking it's going to be them against the Forty ers and. We saw what happened last year. So, you know, when they go up against a tough defense like the Browns have, and, and they got just enough pieces plus a big, you know, six-foot-six with Joe Flacco, I just – I can't believe it, but I think this is going to do it. Eric, I mean, again, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only person that's been – obviously, I just took – 
I took three calls in the past 15 minutes of, I didn't know your guys' expectations were this high. Honestly, I didn't. Yesterday during the short show that I did before Monday Night Football, I put out there, I, I asked, what are your expectations? Where do you guys stand? I, I just didn't know. Maybe I was gone in Puerto Rico for too long. It was only five days. It wasn't, it wasn't that long. Maybe I was, I was golfing off in Wawa land for too long. I don't know. I ate too much of uh, the mafunga that they have out there. I don't, I don't know. Mafunga is a different type of Puerto Rican food. I know. It's a little, it's, it sounds a little funny when you say it. No, 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 no. No, James, that's not, that's not what mafunga is. That's not what mafunga is. I, look, no, no, no. Spanish food is delicious, <laughs> and I've had, I've, you know, experienced some uh-huh. people in my life that uh-huh. make great mafunga, man. Yeah, that, that's, look, that's I'm with not, you, baby. Yeah, that's not what mafunga is. <laughs> no, but maybe I was gone too long. I don't know. But I'm surprised. I'm shocked at the amount of people that want to tell me that the, it's now Super Bowl or, or bust, essentially, for this Browns team. But I, I can't tell you that you're living in, in some sort of fantasy land here. I'm not going to do that to you. Because the AFC is that wide open. AFC is that wide open. Brian Baldinger on earlier today on Afternoon Drive. His thoughts on the AFC and where they stand. I think Baltimore is, even though Cleveland beat them. But I think Baltimore is still a better team than the Browns. I, I just think they, they're more consistent. I know Lamar threw a pick six to Newsom in that first game against them. Like, I understand, I know all that. But I still think they're just a better, they're healthier. You know, I think they got better all-around players than Cleveland does right now. But Cleveland's defense... I mean, those guys, you know, getting Denzel back and, you know, what Emerson is doing and Newsom and, you know, how the safety step up for Delpit last week and what they're getting. Like, they're very good defensively. They can go toe-to-toe with anybody. So, I feel like because of the changes on offense and sort of the lack of firepower and Joe's newness, like, I give the edge to Baltimore. But I don't think anybody else, you know, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, you know, just going through the teams that might be in the playoffs. I, I don't think anybody else is better than Cleveland. I mean, if Baltimore's all we're staring down, I'm not staring down much. A team that constantly tries to cough away fourth quarter leads. A team that has multiple injuries, including Mark Andrews. A team that I believe is only at the top of the AFC because nobody else has come out and decided they want to actually take their crown and and put their stamp on it. I'm not scared of Baltimore. There was a time where I was very free to admit I thought Baltimore's decision-making with what they've done with Lamar Jackson and the moves they made with offensive coordinator, I think they've become a much better team. They are better on both sides of the ball than I think anybody anticipated, and it worked better for Baltimore quicker than what we thought with Lamar, but we just beat them five weeks ago. You can't tell me we can't beat them. We just beat them five weeks ago, and we watched them do the same thing they always do, which is trip over the garden hose every single fourth quarter. Just completely vomit all over their shoes in the fourth quarter. You can't tell me we can't beat that. Especially watching Joe Flacco. I'm going to start calling him the king of the fourth. Joe Flacco go 11 to 13, have a touchdown pass, ridiculously high passer rating in the fourth quarter to get the come from behind win down 17 7 against Chicago this past weekend. 216474 to below 92. Wayne in Youngstown up next. What's up, Wayne? Hey, can you hear me? Got you loud and clear. Well, not that clear. It was loud, but it wasn't that clear. But let's see how it goes. Okay. Um. So my first, my first thing is, and I don't know. I just started listening for the evening, so I don't know if you tackled it yet. But if you win the next two games, man, if you beat Houston and you beat uh, the Jets, would you rest your starters uh, against uh, Cincinnati? That's my first question. And then uh, my second question is. Miles and already went to the media 
I mean, I don't know what else he had to do to get the, the respect from the refs, man. And then Sunday's no calls at all. Can he personally request a meeting with uh, Roger Goodell? Hey, Roger was here this last weekend. I mean, he can request it. It's not going to happen. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate you. You'd think a guy worth $125 million in contracts would be able to request a meeting with Roger Goodell. I don't think it's going down that way. I don't think it's going down that way. I think what I think what Miles has to do is reach out to people like myself, and I'll be happy to do some of the bidding for you, Miles. Just reach out, make a phone call. You know where to find me. Your people have found me in the past. So you, you, got, you have my email. Simple. Say, hey. Talk more about the fact that we get no respect when it comes to these calls and talk more about how all these, these different plays he's got to fight through. But he's got enough people, I think, doing his bidding in the background. That's why you're seeing more and more of these clips of it just him just dominating for games on end and then people being like, oh, yeah, so he is great. Oh, yeah, he is doing that. It is great. He's, he's got people working in the shadows. Don't, don't you worry about Miles Garrett. I think he'll be all right. And as far as defensive player of the year, he's got three games to solidify and lock it down. Two one six four seven four to below 92. It's a really good game against Chicago. It was a really good game a couple weeks ago against Jacksonville. Didn't have a sack in either one of them, but he was fantastic. All right, something I want to talk with you guys. Stefanski still hasn't answered the most important question to me. And that question is what happens when Deshaun Watson returns. But why is Stefanski Flacco working in a way that Stefanski Watson hasn't worked yet? I'm going to need your help on this one. I, I don't know if I needed to go to a Baldy's breakdown. I don't know that if I needed to find some sort of other answer. But Joe Flacco right now has the same amount of touchdowns and just 200 less passing yards than Deshaun Watson, despite playing half the games. Flacco stats in three games, 939 passing yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Watson's 1,100 passing yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. They're basically identical while Flacco's played half the amount of games. And so the question I have for you guys, 216474 to below 92. And I know, I might be touching the third rail of this conversation, but you know what? Let's dance. Let's do it. On a night like tonight, let's do it. Why is Stefanski Flacco working in a way that Stefanski Watson hasn't yet? And is that a reflection on Kevin Stefanski? Or has it now become a reflection on Deshaun Watson? Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. We'll get to that more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan. All righty, back in here on the fan. Shout out afternoon drive today. Dustin, Nick Wilson, Jax, Keith Britton, the group. I, I got Spencer was there too. Spencer contributed as well. I got to give uh, him a shout out. They let me be a part of basically was it was a uh, it was uh it was dueling Christmas holiday parties here at Odyssey and they let me be a part of both of them. So I went to the holiday party uh, downtown here for the Odyssey group and that was fantastic. It was very nicely set up. They had all sorts of wonderful activities and everything for us to do and it was a great time, right? And then I went over here to the station and most years they get shut out of the holiday party because they're on the radio. And listen, this is how these things work. It just there, there's unless they start doing these holiday parties. At midnight, somebody's always going to be left in the dark. Them's the breaks, right? Now, more years than not, it seems like Afternoon Drive is the one that is left in the dark because, let's be honest, they got a primetime slot for when the holiday party would go down. They don't really throw holiday parties at 9 in the morning. It's not how it works. And so the, the, the guys in the afternoon threw their own holiday party today 
as I'm sure you guys heard, as Nick and Dustin talked about it all day long. And I got to say, Nick and Dustin know how to throw a hell of a party. I had a great time at their party as well. But it was great. I, it was like a, my favorite things in life is being able to take part in everything in very tiny doses and judge everything. I think it's why I like being a sports radio host. I love judging things. That's just kind of what it is. I, I, maybe my, I miss my calling and being a, an Olympic judge or something like that. I, I don't know. But I think part of what I love about sports radio is I get to sit back and be like, I like this for reasons X, Y, and Z. And I don't like this for reasons X, Y, and Z. And in real life settings, you kind of seem like a jerk if you do that all the time. So I don't get to do that all the time. But I got to sit back and I got to judge the first party, which again, I'd be a jerk if I judged it anything short of great. It was a great party. And then I came to the second party, also a great party. They both did wonderful, wonderful parties. I had fun at both and for different reasons at both. Collectively, though, it felt like all I've been doing all day is taking part in holiday parties. I'm a little holiday partied out. Two is more than I got in any year since the pandemic got underway. They got, we, had, we, got rid of, we got rid of them. We just stopped doing them, right? And I hadn't been to a Christmas party in a very long time. And now I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like I, I, feel like I, I got exhausted at the two I went to today. I just, I'm kind of worn out. I saw Ted who does our imaging. I went, Ted showed up. I'm like, hey, Ted, there's pizza at this party. There's more than six people. I'm sorry. This is a party. He's like, I got to go to my parish's party. I'm like, you got three parties in one day. Three parties in one day for Ted. I can't do it. So anyway, I went to two parties today. One I stayed at for 15 minutes. The other I stayed at because I had to do work in the background for, I don't know, maybe is that an hour? Does that count as an hour? Is that what that is? I'm partied out. Uh, partied out. I'll see you at New Year's Eve. 216-474-0092. All right. Let's touch the third rail of this conversation. I'm already getting some good reactions from you guys, so I know this is going to go somewhere. But I genuinely am curious as to what you think on it, as opposed to me thinking like I might have the answer in the back of my head and then we'll workshop our way through it. I'm wondering why is Stefanski Flacco working in a way that Stefanski and Watson hasn't yet? I'm not going to claim I got all the answers here, but I'm just curious about this one. If you were to tell me Flacco was 28 years old, based off of what we've seen, I would legitimately wonder if asked with some truth serum which quarterback Stefanski would rather have for the next three years in Cleveland. Flacco's got a bunch of bad interceptions. There's no denying that. But back-to-back 300-yard games, a bunch of big-time throws, a downfield passing game coupled with this defense, this is the recipe for a team that can do some damage. P.J. Walker and DTR wasn't the way that Stefanski wanted to win games. That was surviving is all that was. Flacco won the Browns the, the game on Sunday. Straight up. Won the Browns the game in the fourth quarter and getting guys to play the way that he did. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing the best of David Njoku in his seven years here when he has a true professional under center and someone that can look beyond just the first read and let him be like Kelsey, where Travis Kelsey goes off script and when he's open, he's able to hit him. I think it says something about Stefanski here. And I'm worried, not that you guys are falling in love with Stefanski because I encourage that, but it's It's either got to be one thing or the other. Either Stefanski and Flacco is working because Stefanski is awesome at his job and can get anybody to work, kind of like how he got Flacco to work, Jacoby Brissett to work, Baker Mayfield to work, or 
we have a Stefanski-Watson issue that is bubbling. Because it doesn't make sense as to why Stefanski's been able to get everyone to work, but he hasn't been able to get Deshaun Watson to work. That doesn't make sense to me. So if you're going to buy into the rhetoric and people throwing out there that Stefanski deserves an extension, I can sign up for that. But anytime you give any sort of credence to Stefanski being this all-everything play designer and all-everything quarterback guru, it comes with the other side of that coin that then you, in turn, have to go ahead and blame Deshaun Watson for the problems that existed on his side of the ball. 216474 to below 92. Joe Flacco in three games has accomplished as much as Deshaun Watson did in six games this year from a touchdown perspective and a yardage perspective. They are right there within 150 yards of each other. Same number of touchdowns. They're right there. I'm trying to figure out why it is. It doesn't make any bleeping sense why Kevin Stefanski can make Joe Flacco work, can make Jacoby Brissett work, why he can get these guys to work. But when it comes to Deshaun Watson, it just seems like it's slower. And it seems like the development may eventually get there, but it feels like it's going to take us way too long. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Craig and Akron, up next on the fan. What's up, Craig? Hey, how you doing, Jonathan? Hey, Craig, how's it going tonight? I'm all right. Just that BP ready to get food in a second. All right, like <laughs> well, that. And like gas. That. Yeah, well, I was hoping there'd be gas thrown in there somewhere, but hey, you know, gas stations have good food. I'm I'm for that. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes they're all right. Yeah, all right. Just a chicken sandwich or, or well, uh, egg sandwich or something. Oh, you but want egg anyway. sandwich from the gas station? What? You're you're you you live life on the edge, Craig. All right, but forget that. Stefanski, Blacko, what do you got? <laughs> okay, uh, when it comes down to it, at quarterback, a hey, knowledge is power. You know, Flacco knows how to read a defense really quick, get the ball out. If you look at his stats, this guy's throwing the ball like flipping 700 times in seasons before. Like, he gets the ball out, and he's he's just a thrower. Like, to be honest, I, I kind of expected this. I, I wasn't one of those guys that was big on Deshaun. But I, I know Flacco, man, he, he knows how to read a defense. One, two, three, four balls out. One, two, three, four balls out. You know, he gets that ball out uh, pretty consistent. Yeah, and, and, and on that point, and thank you, Craig, I appreciate you. Enjoy your egg sandwich. On that, I just I feel like it's more than just one, two, three, ball out. I feel like it's one, two, three, and then he's able to pivot. And if it's not there, he doesn't turtle. He's able to find the next receiver in a way that we just didn't see Deshaun Watson being able to do. And Deshaun's had enough time in the NFL, he should be able to go through his progressions and find the next guy. It's just it's interesting to me how this has all gone down. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Ryan and Lorraine up next on the fan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, what's up, man? Not much. So the question is here: Is it Stefanski trusts Watson, or does he trust Flacco? If you if you look at these logs for all the quarterbacks, all four quarterbacks, the lowest number of passes a game was thirty passes in one game. So you know Stefanski's going to want to throw the ball. The thing is, he trusts Flacco more because Flacco can throw the ball downfield. If you look at DTR, he barely threw anything over 20 yards. If you look at Watson, he maybe the only pass I can really remember him throwing deep was the uh, Cooper touchdown against Tennessee. Right. Um, Walker, (laughs) 
Walker is a blur to me. <laughs> Every time he started, it was just a blur. Yeah, and, and, Walk- um, and, and Walker would do it, but then afterwards the fans could be like, yeah, he went rogue. <laughs> like, he wasn't supposed right. to do that. But with Flacco, he knows he can make those deep passes. So the thing is, does he does, does Stefanski trust Watson to throw those deep passes? I I, I wish he could trust him because I think that would help the offense a lot more. Plus, I wish he would run the ball a little bit more, but that's another whole another show. But um, he, I think he just you know Flacco can just all of a sudden out of nowhere just throw a forty yard pass like he did the the good one, yeah. you know, on Sunday. Right. Um, so I, I think. And and another the other thing is if you look at it too he's play he's he's calling uh, Stefanski's calling a lot more play action with Flacco than than uh, all the other quarterbacks. Yeah, I but I, I and which doesn't make any sense at all because you would think that the the threat there would be with Watson way more than it would be with Flacco on a play action, you know. Well, and you know, and I I didn't I didn't like I, I didn't want them to to. to get Flacco in the first place because you would have to change the whole offense because one, Stefanski likes to run his quarterbacks on regular, regular runs. Um, you know, so, you know, Flacco can't do that. He's 38. Right. He's, he's never you know, been mobile. You know, yeah. Slow, slow in the mud. You know, he's like, yeah. he's running in the mud. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so, you, but I think now that with Flacco, you can open up that offense a little bit because yes, he can make the passes downfield. Um, yes. He can hit the 20 to 25, you know, yard passes with accuracy, which DTR, no, you weren't going to get that. Walker, no, you weren't going to get that. Watson, I, I don't know because he never really called the plays to go downfield yeah. like you would like him to do. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, and Brian, I appreciate you as always. Thank you. I, I, I don't understand why. Why is it we have Goodwin deep passes? Why is it that we have all sorts of different deep passes to players that we hadn't seen deep passes with Watson be able to throw in the way the way that Flacco is throwing them? Like we had the Jake Trotter stat, uh, what was it, last week? Where he had more completions of 10-plus yards in the previous five years, which is the whole entire Kevin Stefanski era. What, what about Joe Flacco? Does Kevin Stefanski give himself the green light to really, truly let it rip? That's what I got to know. That's what I got to find out. And why doesn't Deshaun Watson have that same green light as well? Deshaun Watson, they, it's not like they didn't throw the ball a ton. He threw the ball a ton with Deshaun Watson. Why is it that with Joe Flacco, he is seeing the success down the field, even with a lack of a run game? I mean, our run game was awful this past weekend. 18 carries for 29 total yards. You're not supposed to be successful when a run game is that poor. And Flacco's had a lot of bad interceptions, so I'm not here to say Flacco walks on water, but why is Stefanski and Flacco working in a way that Stefanski and Watson hasn't yet? And what does that say about Stefanski and Watson in that relationship? Like, I, like, think about it. The entire time that we were trying to give Stefanski credit this year, I kept, I kept pulling back on it only because, and, and I listen, I've, I've conceded, I, I'm giving him a bunch of credit here. I, I've always been pro-Stefanski, but I've always been hesitant because I've understood we're not grading Stefanski and how good he is at having a second, third, or fourth quarterback win games. That's never been the test. The test has always been what happens with Deshaun Watson. Why is it that he's able to take the car that goes 75 miles per hour in a 75-mile-per-hour speed limit and go right down the highway and make everything work, but the moment he gets on that Ferrari, on that Lambo, the car that goes 130 
he hits the side of the wall. Where's the disconnect? And please don't tell me that he's not able to to coach a quarterback of that caliber. Life is supposed to be easier, but there's something that is happening when he gets the more horsepower, when he gets the more engine attached to himself here, and it's just, it's just not working. There's clearly a disconnect because he was great with Jacoby last year. He's been great with Flacco. He was good at times with Baker. There's a there's a disconnect here. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Why do you guys want to get in? Hang tight. I promise I'll get you coming up on the other side. We got off the beaten path coming your way at nine o'clock. Daryl Ryder at nine twenty as well. The question is a simple one, but it's complex. Why is Stefanski Flacco working in a way that Stefanski and Watson just hasn't yet? Your phone calls and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. We go off the beaten path coming up in about 20 minutes. Right now, I'm asking you guys, why is Stefanski Flacco working in a way that Stefanski Watson hasn't yet? If you break down the numbers into its simplest form, in half the amount of games, Joe Flacco has the same amount of touchdowns and about 200 less passing yards into Sean Watson. And again, in half the amount of games. And it just it doesn't take a rocket scientist to put together. Clearly, something different is happening here. And, and the revelation that I came to earlier today is that for every Deshaun Watson, or excuse me, for every Kevin Stefanski defender that is out there, and for every time we prop up Kevin Stefanski even higher, we have to at least acknowledge something in turn in that as great as Joe Flacco has looked through three games and as awesome as he's seemed, it does make you wonder what in the hell happened with Deshaun Watson then so far. And I'm not saying Deshaun Watson's been awful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if we can admit Kevin Stefanski's good at this coaching thing, then why didn't it translate to Deshaun Watson the same way it translated to Joe Flacco, the same way it translated to Jacoby Brissett, and the same way it translated at times to Baker Mayfield? I don't know. The book says, hit the table is hot, ladies and gentlemen. Let's figure this thing out. I've given Stefanski a lot of credit. There was a time when mediocrity was like a steak dinner for us. He's gotten rid of that. He has. But why is it that Stefanski has all the answers with Brissett and with Flacco and seemingly none of the answers with Watson? Here's why I put it out there. For every vote of confidence you give Stefanski, you are in turn giving a vote of confidence away from Deshaun because either you believe Stefanski's great and Deshaun sucks or you feel like Stefanski doesn't know what he's doing and Deshaun will be fine. It feels pretty black and white to me, and I'm not sure enough people are wanting or willing to look at it that way. Stefanski is good, and then Watson good isn't really an equation we have. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. No, uh, but as always, I'm trying to figure out the disconnect here. I'm trying to figure out where the lack of something between Stefanski and Watson lies. And why is it Stefanski and Flacco got there? And you can't tell me it's experience because Watson came into the experiment with the Browns with half a decade's worth of experience. How much more are you going to need? You can't just say, I- I'll only hire 38-year-old quarterbacks. It's odd. I don't I don't know. And honestly, I think this is shortening the lifespan of what Deshaun Watson's contract and everything. Obviously, the contract's guaranteed. But with the lifespan of Deshaun Watson and the length they'll have to have this thing be proven right, I wonder how short that becomes now within some of these conversations. You're almost going to get to a point, if people believe in Stefanski so much, you're going to get to a point where it becomes Brady versus Belichick. 
We know who won that battle. Could become Mahomes versus Reed, right? Or any other scenario where you have to choose between the top quarterback and the head coach. But Watson isn't all everything. He's not. He's not an all-everything quarterback right now. He's just someone that you invested a bunch of money into. When you peel back the layers of this convo, I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. Oh, man. You know the uh, uh, the sunk cost fallacy? Basically, the sunk cost fallacy, it works in gambling in a lot of ways. Uh, and a lot of people use it in gambling. But I'll use it in, in TV outcomes really quickly, right? right. Uh, the, the sunk cost fallacy is if you watch 30 minutes of a TV show. Or a movie. Let's say a movie. You watch 30 minutes of this movie. Some people will continue to watch the movie because they, they've they invested 30 minutes of their time into it. And even though they know the movie sucks, they'll watch that movie until it's the very end. Sunk cost fallacy is the idea that after 30 minutes, you'd be willing to turn around and say, you know what? This movie's a losing proposition. It's not getting any better. I've already put enough time into this. I'm done with the movie. At some point, the Browns are going to look at Deshaun Watson and they'll say to themselves, we put enough invested into this. If we're not getting the return, we're going to have to go our separate ways. And we can't just stay invested into this movie because we already put 30 minutes into it. If it costs you Stefanski, where we're at right now, I don't know how long Watson's going to make. If he's got, he might have one year to figure this whole thing out, and then it's going to get really interesting around here. If Stefanski really is that Kyle Shanahan type coach that just needs a quarterback that can do what he wants him to do and nothing more, nothing fancier, nothing less, nothing more. 216474092. Tell me where the disconnect is, though. Keith is up next on the fan. Hello, Keith. How you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going? Good. First time caller. Oh, nice. Yeah. Happy to hear it. I'm reiterating what you guys said about, you know, Phil Flacco, why it's not uh, why it's not working for Deshaun and stuff. I think it comes down to just pure smarts of the game. You give a man six games last year to get the rust off, and I get it. Um, it could be a good teammate because of the fact that, let's see here, uh, you know, Joe Flacco comes in hungry to win. Deshaun could be going through the motions. There's a lot of jealousy maybe with this contract, and, you know, and a bunch of stuff like that. But the way I see it is the man comes in in four games and he's getting David Bell the ball. David Njoku looks great. Yeah. Marquise Goodwin is starting to play. Harrison Bryant I mean, is back from the dead. Yes. And, and the fact about it is, is I think they respect Flacco more. Maybe he's putting in the work harder. Maybe he is, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's brought life to this city. And this team is gelling around him on fifth string tackles and fourth string players. Like it is amazing how the city is gelling right now. And I have nothing against Deshaun. It's just that you've given him a whole year to pick your plays and to pick what you need and to get in the room and to put in the work. Maybe he's not putting in the work. Because Joe Flacco's been here four games, and that man has moved this offense better than I've ever seen it. It's wild since they have come back. Keith, I, I know, and I, it's the part I, <laughs> and I appreciate you. Thank you, Keith, man. I appreciate you. I, I call back again sometime. I, I, it's wild to me. I, I, I can't figure it out. It really does. It doesn't make Deshaun look good at the end of the day because all the people that said give Deshaun time with all the rust and everything. Pff, Flacco was sitting on his mom's couch watching uh, NFL games four weeks ago. And now all of a sudden he's 
300-yard passes back-to-back weeks? Give me a break. But there's something about the Stefanski-Flacco connection. And I don't know. Maybe it's just the, like, you know, Shanahan has always needed a, a, a what is considered to be less-than quarterback, and then he puts a bunch of really good players around that less-than quarterback, whether that's Garoppolo. Brock Purdy's going to win the league MVP, so I hate calling him a less-than, but you know what I mean? But he, he just he has these other quarterbacks that aren't considered to be anything more than game managers. The Mr. Irrelevant pick of the draft, the very last pick in the draft in Brock Purdy. And he puts him around a bunch of talented guys and lets him cook. Excuse me. Maybe that's just all what Stefanski's doing here and why it works with Flacco and doesn't necessarily work with Watson the same way. But I, I, I just, it's, it's, it's mind, it's mind blowing to me. Rob in Cleveland up next. What's up, Rob? Hey, Jonathan. How you doing tonight? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Good, man. Merry Christmas. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. I, I think you're, yeah, same to you. I think your uh, topic here is really relevant. I don't think it's, you know, third run like you said at all. I think the answer is actually pretty logical. Um, and it's two parts. The, the minor part being the freeze. Wait, Rob, you, you, cut off, you cut off there. Repeat it again for me. Sorry, Jonathan. I, I think it's a two-parter. The, the first part being the offensive line had a lot of injuries as the season progressed. And early in the year when Deshaun was, you know, coming, coming back after a long break, we were really committed to the run to open up the pass. As, as the line has gotten more injured, I, I think that we've, we've kind of had to be more committed to the past by default. But I think the bigger reason is that we never saw a fully healthy Deshaun Watson. And we weren't seeing a lot of passes downfield. And we saw that big statistic in the first game. What, what was it, Jonathan? I mean, Flacco had more passes of 15 or more yards down the field than we had seen since. 10-plus like yards. Kelly Holcomb or, well, or Derek Anderson. More 10-plus yards throws than we've seen in the previous five years. So, yeah, it was, it was the Stefanski and, era plus. Yeah. And I think, I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, Flacco can fall out of bed and throw 20-yard passes. He may have made some poor interceptions and some rough decisions, but, you know, for a guy who hasn't played in a year, he's got a cannon. And we never saw a fully healthy Watson, and Stefanski never opened it up. I mean – Guys like Njoku were drafted in the first round to, to not, but but to to catch twelve yard passes and turn them into thirty yard games. Yeah, I mean we brought Elijah Moore to Cleveland to catch the long balls. To and, be and now it's and now it's being field. unlocked. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and and so those stats. I mean, it's incredible what you said earlier that Flacco has you know just a couple hundred yards less passing in, in half the number of games, but. The yak yardage they get out of Cooper and and Njoku, mm-hmm. certainly. And even Elijah Moore has opened it up, Jonathan. I mean, the stats are pouring up because we're throwing the ball downfield. And I hope that if and when Deshaun comes back healthy next year, we see the real him with that healthy shoulder. Because I think this is the kind of offense that Stefanski's wanted to run the whole time. And we, just didn't, we didn't get a chance to see it earlier this year. I hope you're right, and thank you, Rob. I appreciate you as always. I hope you're right. I hope you are dead spot on right because this offense is fun. And watching this with with Watson, if he's able to pull it off, I'm salivating at the mouth thinking about it. But what's odd is that I've seen Flacco do it now. I haven't seen Watson do it yet. Eric and Dayton up next. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you doing, John? Thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for making it. What's up? For sure. I, I just wanted to just say, I'm, I, I think, to me, from what I'm seeing, um. Joe Flacco is playing well. I'll I, I, I admit that, right? Mm-hmm. And he's 
he's kind of the, the quarterback that has driven this this Stefanski style of offense throughout the years. The Case Keenum's, the 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 uh, Baker Mayfields. Um, Deshaun is a to me is a different player. I, I look at those players kind of like one dimensional. Deshaun's two dimensional. I don't think he ever opened the bag up for Deshaun. Um, like he was trying to protect him from something. I don't know if it was criticism. I don't know if it was himself. But it was almost like Stefanski was protecting Deshaun for something or saving him for later. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap you up and say unleash Joe Flacco. Why? Because he got 52 other men in that locker room that he got to look at, and they got to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So he don't he don't have time to waste at this point in time in the season, I'm trying to be you know um, passive really really right. And so Flacco has made some plays, and the Joker was turned around, turned the page, made plays. Coop got loose, made plays. Even Goodwin, where's he been at all year, and, and made yeah. a play? Yeah, I think that's helping Flacco look good. He didn't have Marquise Goodwin all year. Uh, the production that we got at Tillman, the early part of the season, um, DPJ wasn't given that kind of production. So I think the players around him are are, are making him successful, and also he's making the team successful. So what are what is the things that Deshaun Watson is good at that Kevin Stefanski has really tapped into? Hey, you can still run your offense, Kev, but it could be a couple plays that we know Deshaun does well or did well back in the day that you can install to, to, to make him feel a little bit more comfortable in your offense. And I, and I kind of think that's been the difference for me, John, um, mm-hmm. Jonathan, excuse me, um, over the season. So we, we got three games left, and we got some scenarios where we can be, you know, number one, whatever. I, I love all of that. But to me, it's like the style of play. Did Kevin really give in to Deshaun's style of play because he's protecting him from something? Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that's the weird part to me is like, he 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 has yet to unleash Deshaun Watson because we remember the last time yeah. he played what he did against Baltimore, right? Yeah, fourteen to fourteen, game winning drive. Our best second half we watched him play. Best half of football we've ever seen him play. Yeah, the best, right? And he yeah. never really unleashed him like that up until that point. And so I, I hope you know this guy can come back and get unleashed. And and because we're we're starving for him to be that good that good quarterback again. I would hope. And it's yeah, and, you know it's. You love Deshaun, but with conditions. <laughs> the condition is you have a 300 yard game, and then we'll and then we'll, we'll soften up to you. I feel and that. So, yeah, you know, and that's kind of like how I feel about it, JP. I don't know if you agree or not. No, I do, and thank so you, Eric. My call. Thank you, man. All I appreciate right. you. Yeah, you know, what's fascinating is that there's so many things about Deshaun that I do I root for, and that that, that second half game was awesome. But but is there something that that Kevin Stefanski can take in this time with Flacco and move over to next year? Because I want to say I want to copy and paste what I'm seeing with Flacco and the 300 yard games, and I want to see that with Watson. Just I, 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 maybe I don't know. Maybe it'll just be full health for Watson, and then we really can't do it. But I think there's something about the ability for Flacco to get so many different receivers invested and so many different receivers involved in so many plays, and you can watch and see a play breaks down, and then he just finds David Njoku open. How many times have we ever seen that happen? You just don't see it. He's, he's using Njoku like the Chiefs use, use Kelsey, where he's almost backyard school playing it, and then you'll figure it out from there. It's, it's incredibly impressive. All right, leave that there. We come on back. We've got a busy 9 o'clock hour. we got the fan focus coming up. we also got Daryl Ryder as well. What did afternoon drive say about the Browns' chances into the postseason? You'll hear that and more. We come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan.